Book Two, Chapter Thirteen of Robert Falconer by George MacDonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Robert Falconer by George MacDonald. Chapter Thirteen Shargar's Arm. Not many weeks passed before Shargar knew Aberdeen better than most Aberdonians. From the pier head to the Rubislaw Road, he knew, if not every court, yet every thoroughfare and shortcut, and Aberdeen began to know him. He was very soon recognized as trustworthy, and had pretty nearly as much to do as he could manage. Shargar, therefore, was all over the city like a cracker, and could have told at almost any hour where Dr. Anderson was to be found, generally in the lower parts of it, for the good man visited much among the poor, giving them almost exclusively the benefit of his large experience. Shargar delighted in keeping an eye upon the doctor, carefully avoiding to show himself. One day, as he was hurrying through the green, a non-verendo, on a mission from the Rotherden carrier, he came upon the doctor's chariot, standing in one of the narrowest streets, and, as usual, paused to contemplate the equipage and get a peep of the owner. The morning was very sharp. There was no snow, but a cold fog, like vaporized hoar-frost, filled the air. It was a weather in which the East Indian could not venture out on foot, else he could have reached the place by a stair from Union Street far sooner than he could drive thither. His horses apparently liked the cold as little as himself. They had been moving about restlessly for some time before the doctor made his appearance. The moment he got in and shut the door, one of them reared, while the other began to haul on his traces, eager for a gallop. Something about the chain gave way, the pole swerved round under the rearing horse, and great confusion and danger would have ensued had not Shargar rushed from his coin of vantage, sprung at the bit of the rearing horse, and dragged him off the pole, over which he was just casting his near leg. As soon as his feet touched the ground, he too pulled, and away went the chariot, and down went Shargar. But in a moment, more several men had laid hold of the horses' heads and stopped them. "'Oh, Lord!' cried Shargar, as he rose, with his arm dangling by his side. "'What will Donald Joss say? I'm like to faint.' Hold away from that basket, ye gallows birds, he cried, darting towards the hamper he had left in the entry of a court, round which a few ragged urchins had gathered. But just as he reached it, he staggered and fell. Nor did he know anything more till he found the carriage stopping with himself and the hamper inside it. As soon as the coachman had got his harness put to rights, the doctor had driven back to see how the lad had fared, for he had felt the carriage go over something. They had found him lying beside his hamper, had secured both, and as a preliminary measure were proceeding to deliver the latter. "'War am I? War the devil am I?' cried Shargar, jumping up and falling back again. "'Don't you know me, Moray?' said the doctor, for he felt shy of calling the poor boy by his nickname. He had no right to do so. "'Nay, I did not know ye. Let me away. I beg your pardon, doctor.' I thought you was one of the gallows birds running away with Donald Joss's basket. And me, such a stone in my arm. But nobody calls me Moray. They all call me Shargar. What right have I to be called Moray? 
added the poor boy, feeling, I almost believe, for the first time, the stain upon his birth. Yet he had as good a right before God to be called Moray as any other son of the worthy sire, the Baron of Rothie included. Possibly the trumpet-blowing angels did call him Moray, or some better name. The coachman will deliver your parcel, Moray, said the doctor, this time repeating the name with emphasis. He'll a bit of it cried Shargar. He dare not leave his box with thy devils of horses. What makes ye keep sich horses, doctor? They'll play some mischief some day. Indeed, they've played enough already, my poor boy. They've broken your arm. Never mind that. That's no muckle. You're welcome, doctor, to my two arms for what ye have done for Robert and that long-legged friend of his. The Lord forgive me, Mr. Erickson. But you might just pay him what I cannot make for a day or two till it joins again, to hold them again, you can. It will not be muckle to you, doctor, added Shargar beseechingly. Trust me for that, Moray, returned Dr. Anderson. I owe you a good deal more than that. My brains might have been out by this time. The Lord be praised, said Shargar, making about his first profession of Christianity. Robert'll think something of me, no. During this conversation the coachman sat, expecting someone to appear from the shop, and longing to pitch into the campstery horse, but not daring to lift his whip beyond its natural angle. No one came. All at once Shargar knew where he was. "'Good be here. We're at Donald's door. Good day at ye, doctor, and I'm muckle obliged to ye. Maybe gin ye war common or way the morn or the next day to see master ericson ye would tie up my arm for it gone's wallopin aboot and that cannot be good for the stickin of it together again my poor boy you don't think i'm going to leave you here do you said the doctor proceeding to open the carriage door but war's the hamper said shargar looking about him in dismay the coachman has got it on the box answered the doctor eh that'll never do if thy rampogging brutes were to take a start again what would come of the bit basket i mount get it doon directly sit still i will get it down and deliver it myself as he spoke the doctor got out take care of it sir take care of it william walker said there was a jar of dried honey in the basket and the barons would miss it's sore if it were spult. I will take good care of it, responded the doctor. He delivered the basket, returned to the carriage, and told the coachman to drive home. Why are you taking me to? exclaimed Shargar. Willie has not paid me for the parcel. Never mind, Willie. I'll pay you, said the doctor. But Robert would not like me to take siller where I did not work for it, objected Shargar. He's some precise, Robert. But I'll just say ye guard me, doctor. Maybe that'll satisfy him. And faith, I'm queer about my left arm here. We'll soon set it all right, said the doctor. When they reached his house, he led the way to his surgery, and there put the broken limb in splints. He then told Johnston to help the patient to bed. I'm on going home, objected Shargar. What would Robert think? I will tell him all about it, said the doctor yourselves sir stipulated shargar yes myself for night directly answered the doctor and shargar yielded 
but what will robert say were his last words as he fell asleep appreciating no doubt the superiority of the bed to his usual lair upon the hearth-rug robert was delighted to hear how well shargar had acquitted himself there followed a small consultation about him for the accident had ripened the doctor's intentions concerning the outcast as soon as his arm is sound again he shall go to the grammar school he said and the college asked robert i hope so answered the doctor do you think he will do well he has plenty of courage at all events and that is a fine thing oh ay answered robert he's no ill off for spirit that is if it be for any other body he would never lift a hand for himself and that's what made me take till him sae muckle he's a fine crater he cannot go on him lane but he'll go on with anybody and hold up with him what do you think him fit for then now robert had been building castles for shargar out of the hopes which the doctor's friendliness had given him therefore he was ready with his answer if he could ensure him no being made a general of he would make a grand soldier sets face for it and say quick march and he'll call his bagonet through all horny but lay nay consequences upon him for he could not stand under them dr anderson laughed but thought none the less and went home to see how his patient was getting on End. chapter thirteen